It's the Brian and Matt Show. Matt's got a mullet. Brian's got a big ass beard. You can pull it. It's the Brian and Matt Show. With all things insurance and random tomfoolery. The Brian and Matt Show. Welcome to this edition of the Matt and Brian Show. All things insurance, processes, systems, comedy, and tomfoolery. I am joined with my co-host, Mr. Brian Blair. And You're on the mic with Mike. <laughs> You're on the mic with Mike. And we are also joined with Michael McCormick and Taylor Dobby, who shouldn't need an introduction, but for all of you that need a brief intro, they are the original founders of Insurance Soup, founders of CAC, CIA, Taco Bot, and Agency Elephant, and... God knows what else that I'm forgetting. They're also the founders of tacos in general. If you don't know that story. Original creator. <laughs> original creator of the instant tacos in your pants. If you don't know that story, you might want to uh, attend the next soup live. Uh, welcome, Thanks, Mike man. and Taylor. Glad to be here. Yeah. Uh, you know, just fun. truth be told, Taylor wasn't supposed to be on this podcast. He yeah. uh, he got a little I was upset. brought up from the, the minor leagues to, as a as a fill-in. Uh, <laughs> he was brought up from right. single A. It's a big jump. I appreciate that I can hang with the big boys today. I, uh, I actually reached out to Taylor earlier today and, and said, you know, CJ is not available, so you're good enough now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, cleared, I cleared my, my schedule. That's I'm, actually a direct quote. I actually said that that, that exact thing. This opportunity really. I had to take. <laughs> this opportunity presented itself. Yeah. So before we started the podcast, uh, we were doing a little bit of our tomfoolery beforehand, and it came up that uh, it was called a delicate flower, and delicate I wanted flower. to let you guys explain yourself about that. Well, uh, I think if, almost if, I, if I get to witness it a few weeks ago, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, look at the four of us. And if you had to look at the four of us in a, like a lineup, you'd be like, oh, that one there, he's a little softer than the others. Do you remember Sesame Street growing that up? Guy, like, that guy didn't the, do it. One of these things just doesn't belong here. <laughs> That's you, bro. Is it because <laughs> I have folk art in my office now? Is that why? I, I think those things are removable and it's used for other purposes. Yeah. That's a different podcast, though. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm sorry. Okay, guys, I'm sorry that I am a delicate. It's not from lack of effort, though. We know you've tried for all 32 years to grow a beard. It just hasn't happened. It's so patchy. It's horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> so that's why I try to grow it in the back. And then I had the mustache for a little bit. But then I had to shave it for these 10-year anniversary photo shoots that I got to do this afternoon with my wife and family. I had to make new marriage vows because the other ones weren't good enough, apparently. So I got to do what? new ones. Would she have remembered the vows from 10 years ago? Uh, no, I nope. didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> no. Sounds like you, you put in some work that may not have been required. Yeah, he, over so. he, he overthink this so much. We bought um, Jarvis. We bought Jarvis. And I said, bro, all you've got to do is Google like <laughs> basic 10-year like renewal vows. It's not you. Cop it's me. Copy and paste it into Jarvis and let AI do all the work. You could have been done with this in 20 seconds. Yep. Matt, the the it's not you, it's me. Is that part of the second set of vows? <laughs> yeah, that was my bad. I was thinking about the wrong. I was thinking about the wrong things. I need to focus on myself. I mean, wait, that's the wrong conversation. <laughs> oh, no, I'd something you guys on the wall. <laughs> something you guys may not know about me, which is a recent uh, 
recent development in my life, I've become a big reader. I've started reader. reading a lot. I've finished five books this month already. Wow. You must be so excited now that you know how to read. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> they're, they're very what happens s- when you first learn something, you go all in. They're small do, they books. Te- do, do, do they still teach reading in California public school, though? They do. <laughs> it is um, It's very neutral-based reading. There can't be any gender in the reading. Nope. It's all subjective. Tom Clancy books are banned in California. <laughs> no, I've been reading all the Jack Reacher books. I started yeah. in Hawaii, and uh, this year I'm up to about 21 books completed already. Wow. My wife has been loving it. Every evening we sit down on the couch at 6.30 when the twins go to bed, or we sit outside and we read until like 8.30 at night. She's been in, She's been loving it. So sounds, do you actually read miserable. or do you just take advantage of the silence time? <laughs> it's He's just sitting part. there with the book just blankly <laughs> looking at it. I'm just Every turning 30 pages. Seconds, he turns the page. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, honey, this sure is good. You don't <laughs> seem any smarter for 21 books deep. I'm like, Kel, this shit is good. I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah, that lady's a reader, though. She's probably read 20 books this week. So, yeah. What's your favorite book so far this year? Oh, I've only read Jack Reacher books. I can't read real books. If you you give me a book, like I tried bringing business books. We went to Hawaii in January, and I got through three quarters of each of them, and it was just so mind-numbing. It was like... Oh man, the self-help stuff is really making me think about myself and I don't want to think about myself and I don't want I, <laughs> I don't want I, I don't want to change. <laughs> See, I'm the opposite. I I can't unless it's real, like I can't read it. It, it I've got no I, yeah. I can't stay focused on it. Like anything made up, mythical, uh even movies, I can't do it. See, my yeah. reality so far fucked already. <laughs> I've gotta live an alternate reality when I'm reading. I'm the same way as Taylor. Like if it's like we tried to watch Game of Thrones. I can't. Once can't. I can't do it. Or like we'll watch a movie and it'll be something and the gun that gets shot doesn't sound right. Or it's like a revolver, but they have 14 shots. And I'm the guy going, I'm like, Amber, that's fake as fuck. Like this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. I was watching the Ozarks and they're driving in one of the scenes in the Ozarks, the new series, and it's in park the whole time. And I'm like, God dang it, guys. Couldn't you freaking put it in drive? Yeah. My wife hates watching movies because I, I like I pick the same stuff. I'm like that. That's not possible. That, yeah. that that's not really. I'm, I'm looking to be amazed and wowed and all that kind of like. I know that I am different. I, I am I am the Matt Han of this conversation where I don't fit in. But <laughs> you you got Han. That's what we're gonna call it. You totally Han. Han. But but I, I love watching I love watching stuff that I know like I will never see in my lifetime in any other way like like I don't care that it's not real I don't care that it couldn't happen Tony like, Stark this, is this real is Tony Stark is real I've yeah. never seen Star Wars Oh see, God. I, as a kid I watched it because my dad did and I've wanted to like as the new ones have come out be like maybe I should re like retry it and then I'm like nah no. The, the new series are more like Westerns than anything. They're like space Westerns, which I know is not two words that I should put next my, to each my other. My Pepal is rising from the grave right now. I'm sure he is. Comparing but, Star Wars to Westerns. Uh, <laughs> you'd have to see. See, yeah. I couldn't get into games and thro- Game of Thrones, Games of Thrones. I couldn't get into Game of Thrones because uh, we have a strict no TNA in my household. No tits and ass on the TV. And that show is littered with it. 
Your household yeah. sounds miserable. Aren't you an adult? <laughs> no, and you're no. renewing these vows at 10 years? This is something you may think I am, but you know I'm <laughs> not an adult. I just listened to it. We, our new podcast is going to going to highlight The Flamingo as our entry song. If you haven't seen it, Google The Flamingo, <laughs> no. YouTube. His name's Mark. What's his last name, Brian? I don't know. It's horrible, though. Rebelle? Rebelle? Yes. Rebelle? You haven't I, seen I it? I expect nothing less. You need to watch it. We'll throw it in the comments of our uh, live playback. We'll throw it in the comments, a link to the video. It will change your life. It uh, got me banned from the Blair's house going forward. I'm not allowed to come because <laughs> I'm going to rip out their child's eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I'm going to switch gears because we can bullshit the four of us for hours and accomplish nothing. We do do Um, that normally. Yeah, we do. Um, You two guys are coming off of probably the biggest um, high of your career, I would say. I'm assuming that so far we're a couple weeks after Soup Live, which when we hear feedback from people, and I don't know what your guys' feedback has been. I know what I've heard from people just when we were there and the messages that I got afterwards. Um, the conference that you, and I, I have a hard time even calling it a conference. The event that you guys put on has kind of changed the trajectory of like insurance events in the future. Like when I think of an insurance event, I think... Uh, beige walls. I think, yeah, I think of like really bad suits and ties and um, definitely not tacos or pineapple pizza on the menu. Um, What are your guys' feelings and thoughts now that it's kind of simmered and, and marinated for a few weeks after the event? Uh, While it was going on, because we did it in such a short period of time. Um, if you're ever going to throw a large event like that, uh, don't give yourself more than 10 weeks. I mean, it, it's too much time. Uh, totally King 10 weeks was an incredible crunch that was nonstop. And because it was so rushed and trying to, to make sure everything played out because we didn't really have the time to, to really analyze and, and make adjustments. We just like we normally do, um, just do it. So throughout I knew things were going wrong, weren't going the correct way. Music wasn't starting when it was supposed to, um, you know, catching little things. So I actually met with our videographer, Ty, today, and I can't wait to watch it back to hear the speakers because we had an incredible lineup uh, of speakers and a lot of value given. So, And who were our speakers that were at that event, Taylor, for our audience? Um, it wasn't a lot there. of good ones minus you. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> they wouldn't give me my own speaking slot. I had to go up with Brian so that my dad could keep me in line. Yeah. Uh, and I had, I had my, my trigger finger on the kill switch of your mic at all times. <laughs> uh, no, we had Troy Korsgaden open it up. Um, we had a, a handful of our, you know, I wouldn't even call them clients, a uh, handful of our friends, um, you know, that are agents out in the field, you know, down in the trenches. Uh, we had Jack Jameson open day two. Uh, David Carruthers, Killing Commercial, um, Chris Paradiso, uh, Bradley Flowers, the two of you. Um, we had a, a really killer lineup. So I'm, I'm excited to go back and watch it and be able to take it in as if, you know, I wasn't running around like a madman trying to make sure things, you know, went the way that they did. So the next one, I feel like it'll be a different experience for me because I'll get to actually enjoy it a little bit more. 
now I notice I notice you didn't mention Casey Adkins. Is that because her presentation sucked? Is that what you're feeling? <laughs> no, uh, I don't think our editor wants to to throw as many beeps in this podcast. That would be required. She they don't want to blur it, her she middle did. finger. She, she killed it. I enjoyed hers a lot. Yeah, really me too. Yeah. I did not she know is a lot of agents because because she great personality and she lets that shine through social media. Um, so a lot of agents, I think, generally look past and don't recognize how brilliant she really is when it comes to systems and processes. And she doesn't get the credit um, for being as structured and systematized as she runs her agency. Yeah, uh, I mean, hours with her and continue just to take knowledge. One of the things that I didn't expect to see from her was to have such a solid action plan and process and system for hiring and training and bringing people on and the process of that. I spent a lot of time at the event with her. Um, uh, the first day and the second day before her speaking slot. And even in then I was like, okay, she's pretty sharp. She knows what she's doing. She's a good agent. Yeah. She's got a lot of personality and she's got a fiery character and a mouth of a sailor, but I wasn't expecting, even after spending a few hours with her, I wasn't expecting that business side from her. Um, no. not in a bad way either. I just, I wasn't expecting that, right? It was it was very interesting, and it, it I mean, her presentation was her her speaking slot was phenomenal. If you missed it, I'm sure she'll be speaking at one of the next ones coming up soon. But one of the things I wanted to get into regarding the event because it directly correlates with Insurance Soup. If you're not in Insurance Soup, it is the largest Facebook group for insurance agents, um, huge resource for agents. I found it early in my career. And it's definitely changed my life in a lot of ways, not just on the insurance side, but the things that have developed out of that, the relationships that have developed out of it. It's completely changed my life, um, completely changed my visions and goals in my life that I ever thought I would have. Um, so kudos to you guys for starting that. Um, it ties in with the event because what I wanted to get into was insurance soup wasn't always as big as it is and some of the things that we've talked about with insurance soup in the past is there was earlier in the days this culture that was smaller more tight-knit you knew more people there was you would see more posts and gravitate towards more things because there's thousands of posts in there a day now when we post things it just gets flooded with other things that come on top of it in the group and one of the things we talked about privately, and I want to I want to get into it a little bit for the audience because it's important, is in knowing where Insurance Soup was and the feel that you guys are trying to bring back into that group, more of the feel, more necessarily with more people of that family feel, that closer, tight-knit community. What was your goals with Soup Live? Because Soup Live wasn't an event where a goal was to be profitable. There was not. It was the goal was not to make money on it, and it was there was no money made. It was put into the. Well, event. We we went into it expecting to lose money. I mean, everyone that we've spoken yeah. to that have thrown events uh, have told us the same thing. Like, don't don't expect the first one to be a win. So we walked into this thing expecting to potentially lose our shirts, but you know, throw throw a good time at the at the at the very least, like. You know, I, I personally have felt like this was a, a, like almost like a big thank you to so many of the people that have trusted us and and given us a a, a very special life over the last seven years. Like, you know, I, obviously there's a lot of work that goes into what we do and and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, if if 
if the culture that developed hadn't happened in soup and if you know friends hadn't become family like they had over the you know have over the years and all that kind of stuff like it, it was it was a big thank you you know yeah and what was yeah, the and, goal? And, and a statement and a statement you know and a statement you know we're doing events now and we're here but yeah you know and you guys are already working on and to be clear me and brian um although we're all partners in a lot of things we're not we're not involved in the um insurance soup events that's something that mike and taylor take on themselves um and i know they are already planning and working on the next event um that they're going to be announcing soon location time and all of that but what was the goal of soup live what were you trying to do with soup live what was your vision behind it in regards to insurance soup specifically? Um, what was your guys' vision or goal behind Soup Live that you would take on such a huge undertaking with all of the other businesses and stuff you're involved in? So the the main goal and the reason it's called Soup Live is we wanted to recreate the experience you have in insurance soup, but in a real life version. Um, you know, we don't allow promotions and, and selling and really a lot of the, the stuff that goes on at events and conferences in our industry. So we didn't want to carry that over to the live event, um, and not stay true to, to what we've preached and, you know, held ourselves to, you know, maintaining the group over the last six years. So, well, I mean, we straight up told all the speakers, you know, before they, before they even agreed to hit the stage, like, and a lot of them have offers. I mean, you know, they wouldn't be on the stage if they weren't badasses to begin with, but we yeah. told each and every one of them, like, you're going to go up there and do value. That's, that's what we really want out of you. And that's, that's the projection of what we're trying to accomplish with these events. And flat yeah, out Taylor wanted- told me and Brian, when we had done our first round of our, you know, presentation, they're like, Hey, there's too much agency <laughs> elephant in this. There's too much agency elephant in it. This is a value. You can't, you can't do this. And so even our own partners who were putting on this event were, were telling us, Hey, you're saying agency elephant too much. You're showcasing things that are agency elephant can't have it. Mm-hmm. We, we truly wanted it to be an event that agents left, not only having, you know, a really fun experience, but with a notebook full of notes that they could take back that were actionable and tactical and not just hype and fluff. That was the, our number one goal. Like you said, we didn't go into it trying to make a profit. Um, as you know, I love spreadsheets. And so I kept a calculator oh throughout. If you're going to pull up a freaking spreadsheet on this, on this podcast, I'm going to lose it. If for all of you yeah, that don't uh, know, one I, I, thing I won't I won't dig that up, but we had a, a calculator. <laughs> well, it's it's been fun, guys. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> Going where every expense was plugged in and we knew where we were at, you know, ticket sales and the sponsors compared to the expenses. And we ended the event, you know, ahead. And since then we're down to we're right now we're a thousand twelve dollars and some change. Um, so we've continued to put back in to the previous event. Um, but we well, wanted well, I mean, it to be fun. But, but even at the event itself, we were we were making adjustments on the fly to yeah. you know to make things better. You know, I mean, we you know some people said the first time, you know the first day that you know they they wished that there were you know a little bit more snacks, and we turned around and said you know make make it happen. We had some people come to us and say that they needed gluten free pizza the next day because they've got gluten allergies, and we were able to get you know get that accommodated. You know the the first night after the uh, after the happy hour we you know spontaneously wasn't even something we spoke about beforehand you know wound up taking about what about 50 people out to dinner yeah you know, it was just breaks it, until way too late to have to get up and and coordinate a day too yeah but, when you know, you're at the bar know, till 2 a.m and getting up at 5 5 30 the next day 
for three days in a row, it takes a toll on you. It it definitely it, this the, is the, the night this after is, it is some some well needed rest. This was the first insurance conference that I came home from where I was sore. <laughs> oh. like like my, my feet, steps my day feet. Were you, you and matt did bunk up didn't we y'all? did share a bed so you know <laughs> we'll leave that to it the imagination it ain't like that <laughs> no my what, feet, what happens my at 1 a.m putt golf stays at 1 a.m <laughs> yeah we saw the shirtless golf yeah what do you guys know mike was at the house next door i don't even want to hear it <laughs> yeah but i heard you guys i heard you guys from- i heard it was a good time <laughs> They told us, Matt, Brian, you got to pick up your underwear from Putt-Putt Golf last night. <laughs> yeah. You left it outside. Uh, and I got to say, like, you could have held that thing in a million different venues. And I feel like the other 999,999 would have sucked because that venue that this was held at it was, was it was badass. Like, I would yeah. go there on a random Tuesday just to hang out, I feel. Yeah you know it's sure it's neat um going into it mike and i we wanted to do something kind of on the smaller side you know max 50 agents and it turned into from 50 agents a a small event maybe doing two or three a year uh we spent more on the event than uh the current house my wife and i live in that we bought in 2012 so it, it definitely turned into a much bigger project um, learned a lot. The venue helped in many ways, but also complicated things. I never thought we'd have to do calculations on how much uh, guacamole we needed. I was going to ask you and, about that you know, because that's to, something we talked about leading up to this was the guacamole. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I know. I know Matt's in the same boat as me. Like there's been times where I will go out to eat with my family and I'll see guacamole and it's like eight ninety nine, And I'm like, Nah, fuck that. That's nine bucks. <laughs> <laughs> you told us what you spent on guacamole and a thousand, it's such a thousand dollars on guacamole for lunch on Thursday. Like who does that? Yeah. It was Taylor, Taylor and Mike. That's who. It, like I said, there was a lot that went into it. Uh, knowing now, you know, adding in lunches, both days, happy hour, the VIP dinner, having to coordinate all that. Um, added a lot of work, but what we wanted was an experience. Like you can go to a conference and the, the, like when I was an agent, I would go and I'd have two or three people I wanted to listen to. And outside of that, I was either zoned out or I'd bounce early cause it, it wasn't fun. Yeah. Um, I would always try wanted, to get in and out of events when I was going to them in conferences, get in, sit in the back, see who I wanted to see and get the hell out. Even achievement clubs are that way. I feel. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like we took the kids to Disneyland or Disney world in Florida, whatever it is. And even those, it was like this black cloud of like, I got to go sit through, I got to go sit through bullshit. And I'm here in Florida with my family. And I know this is going to be like watching paint dry, yep. you know, and it just, it was the exact opposite of an, of a normal insurance conference is what well, this was. I, I think in general, um, if, I mean, if you're a part of insurance suit, then you see it. But for the ones that aren't, we don't try to be like the others. Uh, we stay true to ourselves. I mean, I've known you, you know, Brian, since before Soup uh, was even created. You were the third member. And that's one thing that we wanted to stay true, you know, to the event. We had people ask, like, what's the dress code? I'm like, well, shit, I'm wearing shorts and the, 
you know, instead of my, my CIA, CIA shirt, I'm having the same exact shirt, but with soup life put on it. And I'm going to wear my hat backwards. Like I always do. And it's, it's going to be an event that's not like the others intentionally. And I know you said that leading up to it, that it's come as you are and even being, you know, loosely associated with the event myself. I still ask Mike, I bet on three different occasions, like, Hey man, like, what are you wearing on stage? And he's like, dude, I'm wearing shorts. And I'm like, no, no, no. this is, this is actually how the conversation went. Okay. Yeah. Drop it on us. The way the the conversation went was, was, Hey, what are you going to wear at the event? And I said, I said, I'm probably just going to dress how I always dress. I'll probably be in shorts. And you were, and you said something to the effect of really, you're going to wear shorts. I feel like shorts are so sloppy. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm wearing shorts. (laughs) I'm going to represent my sloppy self. Just like always. I don't remember it quite like that. (laughs) I mean, like if if we gotta, if we gotta go to the tape, I can find the conversation. Do I have to be a marriage counselor? I I was like, whatever, insult me. I'm still wearing the shorts. I do. I do remember. I do remember talking about me going, I think I'm going to wear like some nice jeans. And you said, you're going to wear a blue blazer. And, and Mike goes jeans. This is Dallas leading into summer. He goes, your balls are going to be so freaking hot and sweaty. Like you do not want to wear jeans. And I'm like, yeah, noted shorts. It is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I want to get into as well, because you guys do a lot of other things besides insurance soup. And um, one of the things I want to get into next is specifically two of the other brands. Um, CAC was actually founded by uh, Brian and Taylor. Initially, they both founded CAC years ago. For those of you who don't know, it used to be known as Career Agent Concepts. Um, heavily talking about prospecting, lead gen, marketing, all sorts of all the other things that insurance agents need help with, Facebook ads, ad campaigns, different types of things. One of the things I wanted to get into about CAC specifically was um, the what and why and vision for it. Like wh- what it, what was it at first? Why, why did you feel it was necessary to stick your heads out there while you were doing agencies and other things and other, and on top of what you are doing and what was the vision for it when it was first, when it first rolled out and then Mike came into the picture on CAC um, briefly after it started. So fill me in a little bit about that on the history of it, the reason why. And I want to dive into that as well as, um, also into CIA a bit in a, in a minute after that. Yeah. We were Facebook friends. Me, Mike, and Taylor were Facebook friends. <clears throat> and I think it all came about because Taylor and I were were farmers. Yeah. Mike was State Farm. And we all hated the, the direction from the mothership when it came to marketing and lead gen. And like, I remember a million different times, Mike talking about them pushing him to buy a billboard. And it's like, that's yeah. not, that's not the direction we want to go. Right? I well, post that only... billboard every year. I see it. Yep. You couldn't even see the phone number. You couldn't even see the phone number because it was like just trees on trees on trees in front of it. And what was best about it was you posted it. You had to do a billboard, but you were restricted to only like, right. What two homeowners policies a month. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and on top of it, they use this face. Like you've got like anything that in, in the world to try and attract the business and you decide like, like use this face. That, like, that's why they put it in the location that was hidden in trees. Probably. They're, they're, you know, they, they, were pro- they were probably trying to, they were probably trying to get a, a Bigfoot sighting going is what they were trying to do. <laughs> Look at the trees. <laughs> so what Taylor. was your guys' vision with CAC initially? What was like, what was the problem you were trying to fix and what was the vision? 
Well, Taylor and I met up in Dallas and I remember him picking me up at the airport and I had never met the guy face to face, right? We video called all the time. We talked all the time and he picks me up in his pickup and I mean, gets out, gives me a big hug. It's like, I knew him for, for ever, right? Like the power of social media. I've known this guy for years. I just haven't met him yet. Right. Mm -hmm. Throw my bag in the back of his pickup and we take off and we're sitting in this mastermind setting and at some point during the day, I just remember me and him like making eye contact because everybody that was there to was learn a beautiful moment, it was a, we locked eyes and that was, <laughs> that was the start. Their hearts no, like, everyone there was coming to us, asking us questions and not going to the person running the mastermind. And so it's like, yeah. well, if we're better than the person we're learning from, like maybe we could do this on our own and. I mean, it was very grassroots ground level. Like it was live calls, like on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Do you remember those 90 minute calls? I remember I was at, I was at my kitchen table with kids in the background. Like it was, it was Bush league, man. Yeah. I mean, I remember we would take calls with agents and spend an hour, hour and a half walking through, finding out, you know, what they were struggling with. And every time one would sign up, we were like, yes. And, you know, it was, it started. And I don't think in the beginning it was created to ever get to the level that it's at. Um, what's wild, what's wild to me is how many of the guys that were involved from the very, very beginning are still so close with, I mean, all of us, but the two of you yeah. guys in particular, like, you know, like, the, like the Ron Wadley's and the, the Zahid Hussein's and like, they've been around since day one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I mean, those, those guys trusted us like, they, yeah, right out of the gate. Yep. I want in, I need to learn this because they weren't getting the tools they needed to operate in the current year from their mothership. And that's really what it was. And then that was actually the first time Mike McCormick catfished me. I thought he was like this, super, <laughs> like the super smart guy. And turns out he, <laughs> he's not. And so, so, and he, so, he, so pedestrian. He, he somehow weaseled in. I don't know. I don't I'm know. still trying to figure it out. <laughs> So the vision for CAC when it started was to help agents, help them prospect and do lead gen and help with Facebook stuff. That was the vision of where it was then. And then it took, uh, it morphed into something else recently in the last year and a half, year, um, somewhere around there, year and a half from now, it, it took a change and it became the career agents council as opposed to career agents, you know, concepts. It became the council. What was... What was the vision behind that? What was the purpose for the rebrand and not even necessarily rebrand, but the change in the structure of it completely? What was the purpose for that? Yeah. So, you know, we had gotten to a point where we realized that, you know, career agent concepts was a fantastic course, a fantastic education, uh, a good mastermind. There was a good chemistry in there and all that kind of stuff. And you helped thousands of agents through that course. About 5,000. Uh, through, you know, through career agent concepts, educations. And, um, you know, people had tremendous success over the years generating leads and all that kind of stuff, which is, you know, what we've been, you know, what we were known for and what we're you know still known for in a lot of ways. But, uh, you know, what we were, what we were starting to recognize was that, that agents that came to us with what they felt was a lead generation problem or a not enough opportunity problem we started to learn that, you know, or, you know, as we got to know everyone and over time, whatnot, 
that it wasn't simply just like a lead gen problem or like a not enough at bats problem. Like it was more of like a, like I'm call a spade a spade without offending anyone. Like, I don't know how to run my business type yeah. of problem. And well, we learn like, you can provide an agent so many leads and opportunities, but if their system is broken, then my system is broken. I mean, most of the, most of the people that we that start with us in the collective are asking the group questions like what's a system. Yeah. yeah. It's like that GIF and whatnot that you see all the time. That guy, he's has a bucket of water. It's and a GIF. It's, it's a, a GIF. GIF. It's a GIF. Choosy moms. It's it's Jeez. that guy who has a bucket of water and it's he's it's it's somewhere where it floods, right? And he's probably standing in knee deep water and he's taking the bucket of water and he's scooping it into the water and dumping it over the chain link fence that separates his property from the street. And he's trying to get the water out of his property over to the other side of the fence, but the fence is a chain link fence. Like that's, that's a lot of the problems you can generate as many leads as you possibly can, or have as many at bats as you possibly can. But if your agency is functioning in that type of manner where you're dumping water to the other side of the fence and the fence is not water sealed to keep that water from coming back in. And your agency is like that chain link fence. You've got a bigger freaking problem on your hand. Well, well, I mean, think think about the chronology of what happens when you join a lead gen program. If you feel as if your problem is simply not enough opportunity, you know, if you're an agency or you're someone that you know you're you're only used to getting five to ten quotes a week, and now all of a sudden you and and in your your work or five to ten leads a week maybe, and you you know you you grind three to five quotes out, and now all of a sudden you've got. 100, 150, 200, 300 leads crashing in all, you know, all around you. Like you just went from someone who doesn't have enough opportunity to someone who's got too much opportunity and you've got the exact same end problem, which is you're still not closing shit. Yeah. And there, it, it goes so deep. I mean, the collective now teaches so much and there's so, so many resources there, but we also wanted to bring in the agents that are a part of it because there's there's a tremendous amount of knowledge that joins the collective and that's why we went with the collective it's collectively the group of agents the value that is brought you can go and post in the collective and ask anything and there's someone that can give you an answer five minutes later there's a different way to view it and it's still you know the correct answer just a different way of doing it and it's really opened our eyes to you know so much further beyond lead generation, you know, agents are, are needing, uh, on multiple levels. Yeah. Like well, you, one, the, one of the things that we do a little bit different with, uh, with the collective versus, uh, you know, versus CAC, you know, from a couple of years ago is everyone that joins the program has to answer a pretty extensive application. Uh, it's not like a matter of like, are you going to get in or not going to get in? Like you, the only way you wouldn't get in is if, is if you don't fill out the application, because we're, we're asking, a lot of questions about the way you do business and the way you run your agency and all that kind of stuff. And it's not because like we've got this undying need to know exactly how you personally are doing things. It's because we're compiling data to get an understanding of like what is working in agencies that maybe we're not aware of and, or what, what are agents doing that, that we're telling them to do that aren't getting the results that, that, uh, that we, that we've personally experienced that, so that we can dig in there a little bit. It lets us know, you know, it, it, like it, it really just gives us a very clear view around, 
you know, call spade a spade industry trends, you know, what's working, what's not working and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, like Taylor had just mentioned, you know, the reason that we, we changed the name over to the collective is because while we do have leadership in there that, that, that teaches, you know, a, a good portion of the material and, and, and support and all that kind of stuff, we've got people in there that have got very special talents and very unique abilities that have had tremendous success doing things. And, you know, there, there's, there's no secret sauce inside of the collective. We're all cooking with the same ingredients. It's just a matter of, you know, who's, who's teaching the class. And, you know, uh, devil's advocate here, you could post all the same things and same questions in insurance soup in a large group and get a ton oh, of feedback and answers. answers. I mean that with so much respect. Yeah, but here's what I'm going to get to is what's really interesting is you could you could ask for the same help, business help and lead gen help and insurance soup. But the difference is the biggest difference is when you're getting responses on the collective, you are getting responses from people that are actually doing it and experts in those things. So if you're talking about staffing or compensation structures or all these different things, the information you're getting are from You've got to, and this is something I always think about in my own personal life of uh, know your source. So when you're asking for information or help or you need advice or anything like that, or people are speaking into your life, know your freaking source, know who the source is that it's coming from, because there's going to be people in your life or in your business that are speaking into it where it's like, I know the source of this person and they are someone who does everything the exact opposite or living a completely fake life and giving fake information and fake theories of how things should be structured and work, but they're not doing it. The difference between soup and collective and those people are still in soup, but you're having to sort through hundreds of people's opinions and decipher what's, what's accurate, what's good. And the source is correct versus the collective where you're asking about, Hey, I'm trying to staff my agency correctly and do compensation structures staff um, and give these people the right responsibilities for these roles. How do you do this? And you're having people come in that are actually doing it really, really well, giving you advice. It's the difference of going to a mastermind for help versus going to the freaking flea market in a way and asking Joe Schmoes what their opinions are. The, the, information carries more weight well not just that but your reference to soup versus collective there's agents in soup giving hiring and firing tips who have never hired or fired yeah you know what i mean And, and you're like bro like i get your human nature of wanting to help out and 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 be that person that helps someone that's where it comes from like it comes from the heart i'm sure 100 of the time but if you've never walked it, like, why are you talking it? You know? And I just, that's that difference. Like if someone posts on Facebook, Hey man, I got to swap out my transmission. I need some help. Like I'm not raising my hand. That ain't me, man. Yep. It's not my expertise. We see it. it it's always funny. Uh, you know, when you own a group on Facebook, you're able to go and look at the, you know, the analytics on the backside and, and we'll go through and look at the top 10, you know, most active agents. And I'm like, man, uh, they sure spend a lot of time in the group giving a lot of advice and their numbers reflect the amount of time they're not focused on the agency. Yeah. Um, which, which kind of segues into the next conversation I want to bring up. Um, you guys opened up CIA, which is a independent insurance, um, the term you want to use aggregator, if you will, is that acceptable to use Taylor? Yeah, you can do that. 
Okay. Um, opened up a, an independent insurance aggregator, um, Mike and Taylor did, and created a, an incredible opportunity um, from all the conversations that I've had and all the stuff that I've seen and read on the different options out there, going through the contracts and things like that. Um, what was the reason for doing that? What, like, why did you see a need to, again, overextend yourself into another business while you're also doing other businesses? What, why do that one? What was the vision? And what did you see as a problem that you were going to fix? Because you're not going to go into a market space and say, hey, you know, the Walkman's really good. I'm going to go build another Walkman that's exactly like that Walkman and call it, you know, something else and, and resell the same thing that's already out there. What was the why? Did you do it? What was the vision and what did you want to change about it that you saw a problem you wanted to fix? One of the, the beautiful things about soup is we, we quietly, you know, sit back and be a fly on the wall and take notes. And, you know, we're able to listen to the industry, not just from one carrier uh, or one you know type of agent, but listen to the industry. And we recognize, you know, the gripes and complaints and the problems and that's when we'll go to the drawing board and say, okay, there's a, a problem here. Let's find a solution. Uh, if we can't find it, we'll create it. And that's what led to uh, CIA is, you know, coming from the captive side, you get, you know, training, whether it's quality or not, you still receive training. Awesome. And on the independent side, you've got that freedom. So we wanted to bring kind of that hybrid model that provides that training and support, but allows that independent freedom and, that was really the vision was to bring something different than what was offered out there and to do it in a way that wasn't that corporate level experience to where you're just a, a number. Um, all of our agents have my personal cell phone and um, they call me, they text me and it's, it's a, it's a family. Uh, we've got just shy of 200 agents across the country now and August will be four years and it, it truly is um, having a lot of them at the event. We just had our, agency council last week and had 12 agents in really going through, you know, what they're really good at, um, you know, what they're looking to gain and looking to improve on and seeing uh, Alex Torso was one of the agents we had on the council. He was our seventh agent that we brought on, talked to him hundreds of times, never met him in person. And just like Brian said, and he walked in the office and it was a, a big old hug and wasn't. You had never met him before? Ever met him in person. How did I meet him before you? That's so funny. Yep. So it's, it is, it's, it's like a family. Um, and some of the problems yeah. you were seeing in the, in the independent model, I mean, obviously there's a, the, the great debate in insurance soup is always independent versus captive, captive versus independent. It's always the great debate, right? It's, it's, it's always, it's yeah. not really, it's not it's really a debate. It's, it's not a debate that have crossed over and the people that are just ignorant to it. At this yes. Point. yes. I mean that, I mean that in a very, very respectful way. Well, I take offense to it because me and Brian are both captive agents. So we are going to mute your mic now going forward, Mike. Um, <laughs> no. So one of the things you're also seeing on the independent side is, you're seeing a um, with all the other options out there there's obviously multiple options to go independent with yeah. multiple clusters aggregators going trying to find a way to go direct and all these other things right what and you're seeing this problem with a lot of the options out there where agents are getting put in situations that are um potentially really harmful for their career and they're not they're not made aware of it they don't know about it and they're misinformed or misled or just miseducated right absolutely and was uh, that one of the things you were looking at comparing those models when you brought cia to the table it was when it 
there's so many things within a contract that agents, they simply don't know what they don't know. Uh, you know, most agents look at what's the split. That's, that's the first thing they look at and they want to know, you know, what am I keeping? What am I giving up? And then the exit clause to me, that's more important than, you know, startup cost. And that's, that's usually the second thing agents look at is, all right, what's it cost me to get started? And what's my fees and those exactly. things? That the exit clause is so much more important. And we were seeing agents that were getting taken advantage of to where they were leaving and having to give up 30%, you know, the first 150,000 and then 25% of everything over that. And you start, you know, from scratch, you're at zero. So giving up 30% of zero is perfectly fine. You know, I think we all could agree that's, that's pretty easy. But when I'd you're there for deal. 10, 15 years and build a five, six, $7 million agency, giving up 30, you know, and then it dropping down to, to 25% after 150,000 in commission, um, that, that number grows at a very quick rate. And so we wanted to bring something that we could stand behind and say, you know, we have the best contract. Um, we have the best training support. You know, y'all, y'all got to see the back end of the office. We've got almost 60 employees and team members. Uh, we're always trying to move and, you know, do what's best by the agent instead of what's best by us. And it's, it's allowed us to say, you know, we are the best option and absolutely, you know, know it because of what we're able to deliver. And I will have to say me and Brian took a trip out to Denver where um, all the trainers are housed and whatnot for CIA and all the trainers are at and everything that goes on behind the scenes. We took a trip out there and it's one thing to be told it's agent focused. What company doesn't say that, right? What company doesn't say we're agency agent focused? Every single company says we're agent focused. We're here to help the agents. It's all about the agents. I've heard it all day long from every carrier, from every recruiter. It's one thing to say that and then being in the industry and understanding what it looks like when it's actually not agent focused and you're, you know, hoodwinked, if you will. It's one thing to say that, but one of the things me and Brian both felt, and I'll let him talk about this too, was I was completely blown away with, we were having very high level conversations about a lot of things in in a lot of different areas. And I was completely blown away at when we're talking about these big things and industry shattering, changing things, the conversation always was, Yes, but the goal is not that. The goal is the agent. Is the agent going to benefit from this from where they are now to where we are trying to get them after the fact? And that was a bit mind-blowing for me, and it took me a couple weeks to truly digest. What was your thoughts about that, Brian? I think it comes from a place that you and I are are aware of where – Things change in our world all the time, yours and mine, Matt. And to us, we don't see the change being a positive for us, right? Like for us, something will change. And that means more, more time invested to fix problems, less money, less money, uh, less opportunity, like closed markets. It's just, it's, it was the exact opposite of the captive world. In my opinion, you know, like. I want to know that the mothership has my back, but at the end of the day, there's 12,000 of us. Do they really even know my name? 
you know what I mean? And, yeah. and I felt like everybody that could walk through those doors that day, if they were an agent, they would have been welcomed with a hug instead of a handshake. And that's, yeah. that's a, that's a different culture, if you will. No one forgets your name on the independent side, Gary. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank Steve, you. appreciate it. It was really thoughtful of you. One yeah. of the things that was my biggest fear about going independent um, until I got more versed in my career, um, because before I became a farmer's agent, that was something that was, you know, you should be a broker instead of being a captive. And I get all that. I understand all the reasons why. And I agree with all the reasons why that you should be uh, eventually going into that space. One of the things that was interesting in the way you guys operate um, is, one, starting out as a scratch agent is really hard. At, it's hard enough on its own. It's really hard to do it on its own. It's really hard to do it with a, without training and help. It's really hard to do it without mentors. It's just really hard in general to start out as an agent from scratch with zero experience in the industry. And this is one of the things that we've talked about personally that 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 should be known. There's there's multiple different trajectories to get into the insurance business. And uh, one of the things you guys may not know, but CIA doesn't want to bring on, and correct me if I'm wrong, Taylor, will not bring on an agent that doesn't have experience or that doesn't have foundation or founding or that you feel wouldn't be in the right position to be a, that you wouldn't be able to help them. Is that correct? Correct. Um, we won't bring on, well, yes and no. So even an agent that has experience, we won't be their, their, their lifeline. If, if they're failing from where they're coming from, we're not going to be the final straw. Uh, we turn away a lot of agents. At the same time, we have brought on agents that got licensed two weeks prior to wanting to sign contract. It's all about the individual. Um, you know, you can train on insurance and you can train, uh, I think, to a certain level when it comes to sales, uh, you know, sales ability. But you can't train drive, you can't train motivation, and you can't train dedication. Well, it's the same so, thing. These are these are your these are your customers, right? Just like yeah. Matt and I, when we our customers are the insured. Yep. And <clears throat> when you're when you're starting out scratch and you're you're hungry, like you remember those days, Matt, forty and four, baby. I got to get my forty and four. That was yep. so. That was one of the most stressful times. And then what was fun is when they changed the structure and you didn't know that it changed at a time period, and then you missed it. That was fun. Yeah, and was, oh, are they pulling the wool over your eyes, oh, telling you to pat yourself on the back at forty and four? Such yeah. a low expectation. The problem yeah. I lost my train of thought. I feel the the problem with that was it didn't matter the quality of business back then. You just needed to get people on your books, right? Mm -hmm. It didn't matter if you were bringing someone on that you knew is going to have to be called every month to get payment and chase down and track down, like. You were happy to bring that person on in the beginning. You were because you just yeah. needed that policy count, right? And I, I feel like as agents grow into their agency, they start to get a good grasp on hiring their clients and not just taking anyone that'll come off the streets and, and, and buy a policy. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Taylor, but that's kind of the same approach. You want to see that drive. You want to see the, the person that you know you're going to set up for success and yeah. not the person that is going to have to be not coached, but like, Hey man, we we're, we're talking about this again. You know, what are you, I don't want that type of client. You probably don't want that type of agent. And I can tell walking into that conference that the agents that were at soup live were agents that kicked ass. Every one of them was, was a winner. 
And it is. There's there's a post in Soup about the turnover rate um, a few months back, and it, it blew my mind because y'all know I'm very numbers. Like, that's the way my brain operates, so I track everything. Um, you know, we have about a 6.5% fail rate in the first two years, and then once an agent makes it past two years, it drops down to about 2.5%. Okay, so industry norm... For insurance agents that get into the business or start agencies, what's that percentage on success rate? Uh, the success rate across the board is around 8%. Yeah. So what you're saying is your fail rate is less than even the success rate is. Yeah. And we do, like I said, we do a very good job of vetting and making sure the agent is, you know, not only willing but capable because going independent, if anybody tells you it's easy, they're full of shit. It, it really is the hardest thing that you can do as an agent. You know, on the captive side, learning one carrier, like think back to, to day one when they're like, all right, this is farmers. This is, you know, your product. And this is the underwriting guidelines. Correct. Now multiply that by, you know, 15. So learning the different carriers, the different products for each carrier, the different, you know, underwriting guidelines if you're in a you know uh, an area you've got to worry about fire lines you've got to worry about what you know how close are you to the coach you've got to worry about so much from different carriers that it can be overwhelming but because of the way that we vet and we work with agents that have been you know two years in the works getting them to the point to where now they are ready but our training support system on the back end is truly so well built that we know that we can take an agent and plug them in the only unknown factor in our equation is the agent themselves yeah and you know really the reason why people go captive you know to be honest with you the reason why people go captive captive is they need that agency in a box they need to have an agency that is in a box that is as easy as physically possible because what they're going to do is going to be really hard already and what CIA has done from all of the resources and training and stuff that you have guys have done from what I have personally seen, because I work with a lot of CIA agents, for those of you who don't know me and Brian um, are the front facing partners of Agency Elephant. Mike and Taylor are also partners in Agency Elephant. They handle a lot of the back end stuff with us. But from a customer space. Uh, from a customer-facing side, me and Brian are the faces that you'll see more often than not on the agency elephant business. And we work with a lot of CIA agents, a lot of them. And one of we the, do, a and lot I feel I feel they acclimate very quickly too. Our our turnover rate, because with you know insurance tools and systems that you purchase to help your agency, there obviously are agents that don't take action and use it. So we do have cancellations, but our cancellations are kind of like this, the statistics Taylor was talking about. Agents typically in the insurance industry have an 8% success rate. They're, they're obviously not that low, but the same margin numbers where it's like Taylor saying, we have a fail rate of, you know, just over 6%. Our agents with that come in as CIA agents are almost like that with Agency Elephant. Like their stick rate, because they're using it and the type of agent they are, is so much higher than a regular Joe Schmo agent because their characteristics, what they're doing, what they see, their vision, they get the big picture, they understand the need. Um, it's the same thing for, for us on, on Agency Elephant with that. But one of the interesting things that I feel that you guys have done the best in, contracts aside, all of that stuff aside, which is really, really important, which is paramount in starting going independent is having a good contract. All of that aside, the biggest piece for me that I see from a captive lens 
of if and when I go independent, that agency in a box. I need to have something that I do not have to create every, because now I have a lot of information. I have a lot of knowledge. I know what I want. I know how I want to do it, but I don't, I cannot be on my own island by my uh, by myself trying yeah. to figure everything out because there are so many things about my business that I don't know that I don't know because I've never had to deal with it. And that's, you know, when it comes to going independent, agents think, all right, you know, I need carriers, I need a good contract, and, and that's, that's and low overhead. Yeah, let's keep it small, keep it, you know, lean and mean, and it's so much further from the truth. Um, you know, agents come on, we get them the carriers, you know, we get them the training support, we plug them in with the two of you at Agency Elephant, you provide, you know, what, 42 built for you campaigns. So they're able to go from having, you know, an industry, you know, average of, you know, 12 to 20%, depending on what carrier that came from on the captive side, to and now that they're close at ratio 60, you're talking about. 70%. Now they have automation in place from day one. So they're closing and following up and requoting and writing more business, even just if they had the same closing ratio, they're still writing more business because the automation is set from day one instead of trying to play catch up. Then everything compound with that, uh, we see them come out of the gates and write a, a lot of business. Uh, well, it, it compounds too because you know, what, like something that we're doing a little bit different within within CIA as well is like there's a legitimate community of, of agents within, within CIA, you know, the, you know, the other outfits that are out there, you know, they, they may have the numbers cause they've been at it for a lot longer. You know, they may have a thousand, 2000, you know, some of the, some of the big, you know, big guys out there have, you know, you know, 15, 18,000 agents out there. But the reality is each and every one of them are literally on their own Island, except for, you know, when they get together for a company brouhaha, there's not that camaraderie or that family or that friendship. And, you know, and starting an uh, agency alone scratch is lonely. It's freaking lonely, you know, like it, to be it, in it your is. office alone, trying to deal with this by yourself, having all the frustration points, having all this, the fear, the concerns, not being able to bounce good ideas off people or know when your ideas are complete shit. It's lonely enough as it is. Oh, and, for sure. Uh, but the, and the, and the community element certainly, you know, certainly helps, but it's not just the fact that there is a community element it's also the the types of communities that they are hanging out in together. So, you know, within within the collective, we've you know we've got a digital marketing education that is that's won awards and has helped you know thousands and thousands of agents generate a tremendous amount of opportunity. And and we've incorporated so much more as we've expanded. And and there's so much agency stuff in there now, and you know all that kind of stuff that you know. When, when agents are told that there's going to be support by a lot of the other outfits out there, it's it's not the type of support that, that we're providing. It's a, a very, very different type of support. It's a person who's going to answer a phone for you and calm you down and maybe point you in the right direction, but it's not someone that's going to give you the skills to actually, you know. And they're going to do that two to five business days later. Yeah, well, it goes so much further because I think – all of us just by nature going into something new, you look at the, the short term. So it's not about just getting agents, you know, on board up and going as quickly as possible. Uh, a lot of our agents, uh, Taryn Moore, perfect example. Y'all got to meet him at soup live. He had cool. his, his first month with CIA. He wrote more personal lines business in one month 
than he ever did in a month as a captive agent. And that's with the learning curve that he was dealing with. So that that's the short term, you know, once you get to that level and you, you start to, you know, kind of peter out the growth and it just kind of maintains it's how to get that agent from one and a half, 2 million, how to get them to 5 million. Once they're at 5 million, how to get them to 10 million. And we continue to, to look at down the road to continue to add that, that, you know, value and resource to the agents. Like we just launched our acquisition program earlier this year. So an agent puts down, you know, a small amount of money. We, you know, we'll finance and pay cash for the remaining and bring that business in. And so that they've got more cash flow coming into the agency. So they're able to grow through acquisition through the commercial lines training program. Uh, we're about to graduate our first class and we have agents that were writing very little or no commercial that just closed their first six figure account. So it's, it's getting an agent to, you know, pass that starting point, but then continuing to take them up a level as they progress as well. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, we are coming up to the top of the hour here. I think we just actually passed it a couple seconds ago. I want to give everybody um, a minute to do some, you know, final things that we we want to say or talk about. This wasn't necessarily supposed to be a podcast all about going independent and all the other options, just kind of where the conversation led, because this is really, really good information that's really interesting and people need to know this information and um, it's really important. I, I, I would like to end on everyone's opinion on final thoughts of what the next big trend or thing in the industry is going to be. Oof. Predictions. Predictions. <sighs> Who wants to go first? Next big me, trend. Me personally, I came back from Soup Live really excited Um about the thought of mixing automation with VA assistance and being yeah. able to, to do both at the same time. Um, I think COVID changed the industry quite a bit. And I feel that hiring, and we all know hiring is difficult in a lot of areas, most areas right now. Um, I think there's some really cool things coming down the pipe with a mix, a hybrid of VA and automation. Um, to operate like a team of five, 10, 15 with maybe a VA, some cool software and a staff person. At least that's what I see because that's the size of my agency right now. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just think there's a lot of opportunity in that, in that realm. I up. think if I were to look at the industry in general right now and say, what's the next big thing that's going to change coming forward. And I think the next big thing that is going to change is the insurance agency to, that was last year, two years ago, three years ago is very, 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 very quickly going to completely change due to that uh, steroid injection from COVID that required it to change. But we're now at the, we're, we're way past that era and time frame already, but we're dealing with the problems that stemmed from it. So we are dealing with the problems of carriers' time and support, carriers' response rate, dealing with um, lack of support or lack of help. We're dealing with things that used to take two minutes, now take three hours in cases. And I am predicting that the insurance agencies have to, they have to change how they used to handle things is going to have to be different than how they handle things going forward. The structure of the agency is going to change significantly and it has to change to create efficiencies because they're inefficient, they are not writing business and they are going to bleed or they are already bleeding policies and premium and money out of their agencies. So the biggest change I think that's going to happen 
is agencies that have staff that are answering phones every single time they call in, that they are dealing with fires every time they come in, they are dealing with problems, they're dealing with anything in their agency as it's coming in and allowing it to change the trajectory of their day. Agencies are going to have to flip their agency on their head and change their processes because of the lack of efficiency in the market space right now, or they will bleed, period. And they are going to have to flip their agency on their head, change how they view customer service, change how they view processes, change how they run their businesses completely and how they staff them. And otherwise, they are not going to be agencies in five years from now. I 100% agree. Um, with, you know, the situation with COVID and, you know, everyone working from home for a while, I think the the future is, it, I don't ever think things will go back to the way they were pre-COVID. And like at last week, the, well, earlier this week at the agency council meeting, you know, an agent went from having 20 to 25 walk-ins a day to now he has one, two if he's lucky. Um, the way that people communicate and, you know, do business has changed because there had to be that separation and that human element removed from it, that if agents don't adapt and communicate with agents the way they want, and like you said, change the way they operate their agency, you know, being stuck in the way you used to do it will be the reason that agents begin to fail because they're not adapting and working in the way that that people want to work now when it comes to communication. And think about the good side about that before Mike gives his opinion on this. Think about the good side of that. We have always felt that we were held hostage by how the customer wants to do business. We're held hostage in our agency that we have to do customer service a specific way. But one of the best things that came out of COVID is people understand and accept that business is being done differently and now they are okay and open with a change in how it operates because of the staffing issue because of all the problems that have come out of it but people are open to changing how they communicate and changing what they expect out of a business because they've seen businesses go from incredible customer service to really horrible. Now everything's, you know, digital, online, contact requests, book your own appointments, mobile deliveries, all these things where businesses that used to operate one way operate a completely different way. And it's given the insurance industry the ability to use that change that big companies have done and say, because people are open to that change because they were required to, I can now use that to my benefit to fix my agency and do what me and Brian talked about, Soup, unfuck your agency. Yeah. You can so, use so I, I actually I actually disagree with you around the idea of uh of being held hostage because we now have so many different avenues to reach people that you can truly build a book of business utilizing whatever avenue you see fit if you're a social media person like i built my agency back in the day off of the back of social media i did not want to smile and dial i do not want to get, in, get involved in a long drawn out phone conversation with a stranger i just leaned into social media and i built my agency that way there are people out there right now that are building their agency solely off of ringless voicemails there are people that are building their agency right now 
that are just solely doing business walks and knocking door to door. And that is, in, in my opinion, one of the things that makes this industry so amazing is the fact that there are so many different ways to achieve success. And there are so many, not only so many different ways to achieve success, we are by and large in, on the independent side of the world left to our own devices to define what success is for ourselves as well. So if you don't want to have that, that, you know, I was, I was talking to, I was talking to an agent not that long ago, as actually I, I was on the flight home from, uh, from, from Dallas and I was in my messenger, I was talking with one of our agents and I, I asked him, I said, so dude, what's the, what's the dream? And he goes, you're going to, you're going to laugh at me. And I go, I would never laugh at a man's dreams. And he goes, I want to build my agency to around 3 million. And I want to have an office manager run that. And I want to enjoy my family and watch them grow up. Yeah. And I was like, why would I ever laugh at something like that? Like that is, that is an amazing life. And he was like, Oh, because you guys are you know, out there building empires and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, my dream seems so small and like, not like, no, like that is an amazing dream. That's an amazing life. And our industry of not only affords us to create that life, but it allows us to choose so many different ways to go about getting there. Yeah. And one of my goals ever since I started my agency, I never had a goal to be a mega agent, never had a goal to have a huge office. One of my goals was, and it may, it may sound interesting or funny, but my goal was I want to work as little as humanly possible and make as much money as I physically can in that little as humanly possible realm. And you can take that a couple ways, right? I run my agency on 90 minutes a day. My agency isn't large. It's just under 1,200 policies. I don't have a big agency. But my goal is I want to work as little as humanly possible so that I have much time as I humanly possibly can to do whatever I want with that extra time. That extra time spent with family, that extra time spent with hobbies, that extra time spent with fun. But that extra time actually came in the form of something that gives me way more value than anything that I find fun in my life outside of my outside of my family. That gave me the ability to come into this partnership in Agency Elephant and and help agents. And the value that I get out of helping agents was not something I even knew existed. And my my goal to run to work as little as humanly possible, to give myself as much time as humanly possible, to make as much money as I could in that small time frame. Since I was able to do that, it turned into this thing where. Well, here you go, Matt. Here's the opportunity to do something you didn't even ever expect to do to have a reward that is bigger than you ever expected because of that original goal. That first goal can lead you to something else that you weren't expecting and change the structure of what your life looks like. You're still not getting a raise. Son of a bitch. <laughs> God, that was the whole that. reason for this podcast. <laughs> Thank you guys right, for tuning in. Thank you guys for tuning in. This is the Brian and Matt show. We want to thank our guests, Michael McCormick, Taylor Dobby, for all your Thanks expertise for- and for your time. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thank you. See you later, boys. <laughs>